It's time for Bill and Ted to get their groove back again. So this is the one where they land on Bill and Ted's home planet. And then we, we find the Bill and Ted eggs. We see all the Bills and or Ted's. Yeah. Uh, and then they have to face off against the the bed, which is the uh, mutant that is formed when they combine their powers. <laughs> the till. <laughs> I think we should hey. write that down. Bill and Ted 4. Pretty much in the bag. Pretty much in the bag. Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot. This is a podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good. My name's DJ. <laughs> and my name's Damon. I felt the need to go deeper. That's good. Yeah, you can't compete with how high I can go. No, I can't possibly go higher. Today we're talking about Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So this is Bill and Ted numero dos. BNTBJ. Yes. That sounds like you're uh, taking a personality test. Oh, yeah. I registered as a BNTBJ. Uh, so I'm good at management, but also emotionally abusive. <laughs> so I'm perfect for management. So this one is the one with death. This is when Cedric Diggory dies. Oh, that was a Harry Potter reference. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, you are you're truly a trans ally by just forgetting the whole series. Yeah. Of- <laughs> Take that. You turf bitch. William Sadler. William Sadler. William Sadler. Yeah. So I remember liking this one a bit more than the original. And not necessarily like as a comparison, but just like I had an affinity for this one more. But I'm thinking maybe this one's stupider. Well, this movie already starts off on a bad foot because there's less of Alex Winter's midsection visible throughout the movie. Okay. Does he does he grow a shirt? Does he grow more shirt? He grows a longer shirt. Sad. Sad. You know, I, I don't, I, you typically don't like fan service, but sometimes you just got to throw a bone to the fans. Just let them know you see them, you know? And that's the kind of thing that just pisses people off. Ewoks and longer shirts on Alex Winter. Do you, um, did you have a thing for Alex Winter? Were you, uh, was it, was it a burgeoning no, feeling? I, I don't think I could have picked him out of a lineup, but I think as a kid, especially like also in the eighties, uh, this probably registered more with me, but like college football, they all had like the short shirts. Yeah, yeah. And like mm-hmm. in my little pre-queer brain, it was like, remember this, Damon. It was it was Mufasa <laughs> that came out of the clubs <laughs> and said, remember, they sometimes wore shorter shirts in college football. Put this in your spank bank, Damon. <laughs> Damon, hawk into my voice. You'll want to remember these images. Keep this in the back of your brain for masturbating. Right now, you still just think it's taking down your pants. I also like uh, visions of hell, pop culture visions of hell. They're really fun. They don't come up very much, but when they do, they're always fun. So I always like that they go to hell in this one, and it's a very unique vision of hell. I also liked when the Animaniacs went to hell. Also a fun episode. So uh, Bill and Ted Robots, I believe, in this one. Oh. That's who kills them. Okay. So they he get they killed by the the robots and they go to hell. I can't remember who there is a villain in this. Like there's someone from the future trying to stop them, uh, but he sends these robots. This is this is not as well received, right? This I, I mean I think it was successful, but I mean as far as like critically, I don't know if that's the case. I think it is a 
I mean, I, I mean, we still have we spoiler. We are recording this before having even seen the first one. So I, I'm curious, like, like the joke of them saving the universe is like funny in the first one. There's part of me that wonders if it's going to be like it, that that joke extended. <laughs> Right. If that's going to really pay off. And apparently it is extended into the third one as well. So. Sure. Yeah. My patience with stoners saving the world might wear thin after, you know, 25 years. Um, but I don't, I don't know what the reception on either of these movies were at the time. I would, I can imagine them being like just sort of poo pooed the entire time. And they, because we were young and dumb and our brains didn't have enough wrinkles in them. We just like cherish them uh, to the ends of the earth. And they make a third one, you know, 25 years after the fact. Cash in. That's when you cash in. You lay the, you plant those seeds, then 25, later, 25 years later. That's when, when you really start making money. Yeah. With, with TV, it's after 100 episodes. With movies, it's after a 20-year-long hiatus, and you make a third one. Well, it came out in 1991, so I've got bad news. <laughs> oh, God. 30 it's years. More than, more than 20. We're all going to die. You know what I have now that I didn't have then? Disposable income. <laughs> There you go. And, you know, it's on video on demand, which is great because you don't have to go to the theater. You know, you didn't, you said to me the other day, and by the other day, I mean January, you're like, I'm tired of leaving the house so much. I'm like, yeah, I got news for you. Just sit tight and then (laughs) keep sitting tight. Just keep on sitting tight. Other, Other than death being in it, I don't have any other memories of this. I remember thinking it was fun because I think, I think the, death as a fun character has been done a lot since then. But at the time I remember being very amused by that idea that this like grisly grim character, the grim reaper uh, as like a silly guy being very fun. Slowly becoming a silly guy. Yeah. Um, Other than that, I've got nothing on this one. Plus it introduced us all to the world of German expressionism uh, in the parodies of the seventh seal that death is, is a parody of. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so that. Mm-hmm. Is that German Expressionism, Seventh Seal? Or am I thinking of Swedish Impressionism? Let's look it up. That's a Picardy uh, impression um, that you're thinking of? Mm-hmm, it, has mm-hmm. the, it has the flat three. It's the, the Swedish. German the uh, DJ, I hate that you let me say that on the air. Swedish Impressionism. Look, sometimes you just have to learn your lesson, you know? You know, I did. Um, also, a uh, fun fact, in The Last Action Hero, Ian McKellen also plays Death in a parody of... The Seventh Seal. So that's where the, this character of death comes from originally? Yeah. I mean, there's a famous scene in that where a man um, plays chess with death to, I guess, come back. I've never actually seen the uh, Seventh Seal, but that's yeah. like the famous image is them playing chess in this like wasteland. Um, and that's what Bill and Dead is like referencing. Uh, okay. Okay. I knew it was like referencing things, but I couldn't have told you what it was referencing. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Things? Things? Uh, it's funny when you like, when you, who knows? When you know, yeah, when you know, like uh, a lot of things that reference those things, then you see the original things. Like I, we just watched Rear Window this weekend and that's the first time I've ever seen it. And it was like, oh. <laughs> I when I saw Aliens for the first time and Bill Paxton said, game over, man, game over. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. Um, Servo was saying. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like uh, Animaniacs, uh, Simpsons. Mystery Science Theater, Simpsons, uh, and other references. And then you're like, I mean, watching The Godfather ever after having watched The Simpsons for like 10 or 15 years, I was like, I think I've seen all of this movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> Listen, I don't have anything else to say about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. You want to you want to go watch it? Hey, Deech, I'd love to. Let's let's go watch uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, wait, uh, I just remembered back. something. Oh, yep. In this one, Deech. the the stepmom who is married to one of their fathers has divorced that father and married the other one's father. So it's oh even gosh. more weird this time. Uh, I don't, I don't care for that. I think for the commercial, mm-hmm. here's what we should do. Lay it out for me. I like an outline. We should be, you know, ourselves, but then our evil us's come in and it will be a antithetical thing. Like our, our good us's are trying to describe Patreon and then the evil us's are trying to stop us, I guess. So wait, so the evil us's, how will we denote who's who in the recording? Because we'll both be, both be talking over ourselves. Well, see, you know, through the power of editing, we could, uh, the good us's could be describing how you uh, can support the show and you have benefits like getting your name in the credits and drawings by you or songs by me. And then the evil us's could come in and be like, uh, we could just be, uh, be be our own voices, but we could, you know, through the power of editing. We just uh, are our evil us's and we just try to dissuade people from... Uh, donating to Patreon by describing mm, okay. the Patreon. Okay, no bad ideas. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead and flesh that out. What happens? That way next? it's a lot less editing. Uh, <laughs> and um, we don't have to. Uh, we don't have to do as much. That's Remember that thing we said about labor? Also, here's, here's the trick, Damon. Please. I was the evil me all along because <laughs> we've already done the commercial by describing what we're going to do in the commercial. Oh. Wait, is that true? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always concerned when people's tongues come out when they cough. It's fun to do that laugh, but I always pay a price for it. You know, you're not at the age when you can just maniacally laugh anymore. (laughs) The boys are prepping for a battle of the bands that's coming up uh, near week's end. Hmm. Little do we know, meanwhile... In, uh, you know, 2691, I assume. Rufus is teaching a class. A few uh, characters from previous eras. Uh, Thomas Edison, Johann Sebastian Bach, that guy from Faith No More, some lady from 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all there. But it, the class is interrupted by a uh, gentleman, our villain, uh, mm-hmm. whose name I never really quite caught. I got it. Hold on. Uh, it's like Denosimost. Denomalos. Denomalos, which I found out in the trivia is uh, one of the writer's names backwards, which is, you know, it's clever, but I'd rather have a name I could hear instantaneously and understand what the word was. You don't, you don't think Ed Solomon backwards? That doesn't just do it for you? <laughs> no. Denosabost, uh, he wants to stop Bill and Ted uh, from... Denomalos. Being... <laughs> successful uh so he sends uh, robot versions lifelike robot versions of them back in time to murder them uh and then uh after they're dead ruin their lives and affect a change in history so that bill and ted are no longer catalysts for a good change in the world thank you thank you yeah. dj yeah 
they no longer will have been the change they wished to have seen in the world. So anyway, uh, he does this, this plan I just described. Uh, the evil Bill and Ted do in fact murder Bill and Ted, uh, who spend a little time sort of faffing around San Dimas uh, before uh, going to a seance being held by Bill's former stepmother and now Ted's current stepmother, Missy, mm-hmm. uh, where she uses a hex to send what she thought were evil spirits back to hell. So our heroes are now in hell. They get tormented in ways uh, very personal. One could say they're in their own personal hell. Bill is being tormented by a gross granny who wants just a kiss uh, on her birthday. Ted is uh, reliving a day when he not only ate his younger brother's Easter candy, but was tormented by an anthropomorphic wiseacre Easter bunny doll. Anyway, they get out of that. Right. They get out of that sticky situation, end up in heaven, uh, meet God, uh, get two Martian scientists, are able to come back to Earth, build two good robot thems with the help of these new Martian scientists, win the Battle of the Bands, and it turns out that Foxy Brown was George Carlin all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, denost to boast, uh, he gets uh, Wedgie by death. Oh, I forgot there was death all the whole time. Uh, he gets Wedgie by death, and uh, he enjoys it, which makes me think that he is a sodomite. Mm. He is a, a, a Melvin. It's very Right. Uh, that must be a regional thing. Well, I mean, let's get into it. You, you recap the movie. Uh, Melvin. Thank you. <laughs> I, so, growing up, mm-hmm. I was taught, you know, by, you know, a child that was probably one month older than me and therefore wiser. Professorial. Um, that a Melvin was a front wedgie and that a wedgie was, you know, like a back wedgie, like in the hmm, butt. Okay. So Melvin would be, you know, like pulling up the, the the privates, you know, which, you know, also uncomfortable. I thought it might be an East Coast, West Coast thing where like on the West Coast, it's a Melvin. On the East Coast, it's a wedgie. And in Ohio, it's, you know, pop. Right. <laughs> And then it's a bubbler in Wisconsin. For <laughs> right. At least according to this movie, like, cause I think, I think they're just using wedgie and Melvin interchangeably. Yeah. It looked pretty, uh, uh, uh dorsal. Right. The, well, I think death, it seems like they got him from the front. So I was like consistent with my learning, right. but then, uh, Denomalous gets a, gets a full on, it's kind of front and back, but it's, you know, back. It's a tip of what you'd call a wedgie. Mm-hmm. And the part what I would of, call a wedgie, yeah. Well, you as a New Englander, as a New England, as a reach, as a uh, originalist, uh, <laughs> fucking. Now, is there uh, an equivalent in Melvin's uh, of an atomic wedgie as described on Seinfeld? I bl- I always thought the atomic wedgie was when they pulled so hard that they pulled it over your. Forehead. The elastic is put on your forehead. Now, yeah. d- is there a Melvin like that? I mean, I suppose there could be. It'd just be like when uh, when the Tasmanian devil gets his lip pulled up over Ooh, his head. that's good. Yeah. His bottom lip. Yeah. Now, that's different from a swirly, which is when a bully puts your head in the toilet. And, and that one has sweet toilet. vermouth in it. So that's yes. the other difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I noticed, though, love an Orion picture. When that was coming up, you knew you were in for quality entertainment. You knew it was 1991 <laughs> or earlier. Uh, love an Orion picture. We, we've been in a, the Sons of the Lambs was an Orion joint. Yeah. Couldn't save Orion, all those Oscars from, yeah. uh, Sons of the Lambs. Also, of course, another best picture winner, She Devil with Roseanne and Meryl Streep. <laughs> right. Also an Orion mm-hmm. picture. Why do you know this? 
I just remember uh, seeing that when yeah. the tape would end, the tape my yeah. brother made where War of the Roses would end, the Orion symbol would come on and that meant She-Devil's about to begin. I, I do remember, I mean, I remember seeing that, that uh, um, what do you call it? Their visual ta- tagline, their whatever it's called. Their, their logo? Well, it's not, it's a, like an animated <laughs> sequence. Right. You know. Back when they were under three seconds long, the the stars form the O and then the name comes up. And then I'm like, oh, Orion Pictures. Now it's like 20 minutes of just like a man walking down a street and a book opening and a tree getting hit by lightning. And I'm like, is this part of the movie? Oh, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer picture. Get on with it already. Yeah. They're, they're, it's like, and there's it's 16 like, of them because Hollywood's going broke. So it's like 28 of these weird false starts <laughs> of a movie. And there's like a, a, a beginning at the beginning of it. You're like, okay, now there's a gun on the wall at the beginning of this. So by the end of this <laughs> logo sequence, somebody's going to shoot that guy. Oh, it's just wall gun pictures. God damn oh, it. Oh, damn it. They got me. George Carlin has seen some shit in the intervening years. He looks. He did go a little grayer. 100 uh, so years lovely. older. <laughs> Um, but you know, probably a lot of the added weight of his new clothes, uh, the fashions <laughs> change so much in the future from just like loose trench coats to now just, uh, what looked like, um, boat inflatables that everyone was yeah. wearing. It was, uh, well, you know, after the retail wars of, uh, 2551, uh, you know, Nerf took over all, uh, clothes manufacturing everyone so. looks like when you jump in the pool and all the water gets stuck in your bathing suit <laughs> and you're just trying to push it down because <laughs> it looks like you've got a boner all around your waist yeah like like everyone will think i have a huge uh inflatable tube sized boner so i really got to push this down or wait maybe i would have won that when i was a child check out my huge circular oh you see dung. this <laughs> it wraps around my body so I don't, I don't want to get too much into the judgment zone yet, but I'm just going to tell you this. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a lot more loose threads, let's just say, in this movie than in the first one. I do have, uh, hold on, I think I have a note that says a lot more flabbier than the first yes. in my notes. Yeah, well, and that was one of our, our comments is like um, on the last one. It was it was like, of course, it's a silly movie. It's a silly premise, but it's also, it's pretty tightly done. This one didn't have that. The premise is even sillier. And then it kind of uh, just doesn't seem to know what to do next. Right. It just sort of has them being dead for a good 20 minutes. And I'm like, what's the plan here, boys? What are we doing? When do you get to hell already? Evil, evil Bill and Ted mission accomplished pretty quickly. Mazel yeah. to them. I mean, that's, that's really nice to get it all sewn up. Real that's nice. the, you know, that's the efficiency of automation. You know, yeah, you know, I mean, people talk about, you know, losing jobs to other, you know, evil robotic Bill and Ted's. But, you know, that means you can get training, you know, uh, you know, to being, uh, you know, a William or a Theodore. You can just move up, maybe even repair the evil Bills and Ted's when they break. Those down. are the jobs that the rest of the Bill and Ted's don't want to do. <laughs> we need to bring in these evil Bill and Ted's from other dimensions <laughs> to do the work of killing our good, our good Bill and Ted's that we just don't want to do. the analogy somewhere in there? Uh, yeah, Pam Greer plays uh, like a manager of sorts. She's putting on the Battle of the Bands. I couldn't tell if she was their manager or if she was just hosting the Battle of the Bands. I don't think the movie cares either way. No, it it doesn't matter. But she's like, you're lucky you work at, uh, where do they work? No, they work uh, for 
pretzels and cheese or something. Well, that's that's what I thought is like, oh, they're, they're so cheap because they're, they don't care that they're in the Battle of the Mans anyway. But then it turns out they work at a place called Pretzel and Cheese. Oh, do yeah, they? that's that's so I don't know if like why that matters. Oh, I thought it was just like they're so cheap. That's it. I didn't see. Did they ever go to wait? What? No, I really think you're wrong. Suddenly. That's that's what I thought. But uh, but then oh, that's that's what it was. They they don't show them in pretzels and cheese. But later on, Bill says we can't raise a family on the money from pretzels and cheese. Like it's a place. Oh, I just took that as another, we can't raise a, a family on pretzels and cheese or something like that. What I originally heard and what you heard makes more sense, but I literally think there's a place called pretzels and cheese that they, pretzel and cheese that they work. You know, it just goes to show the world building that was involved in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It feels like San Dimas is a real place. Yeah. It's, you know, it's at. almost like it's another character in the movie. <laughs> Shoot me in the are face. Are we are we gonna watch the cartoon? We we don't have to keep this in the Ugh, I don't think we need to do maybe, that. Maybe maybe we'll uh flip through some uh some episodes before the uh we cover the face the music. They did hold on to the trend of saying dumb things very uh wisely. Um my favorite from the beginning is uh do you think when we get married our girlfriends will stay the night? <laughs> yeah. Our girlfriends are most chaste. most chaste. At least they're not dating our dads was the response. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think this movie gets a little bit more uneven in the things that I liked about Bill and Ted from the first one, which is, uh, you know, you don't have to go listen to the whole last episode again. But I, I said Please they don't. weren't bullies and they were not bullied. Uh, they seem like really good guys, even if they are stupid. And one of the things I liked is that their girlfriends go home every night because, you know, they're from the Middle yes. Ages. Uh, so that's what they would expect. And the boys don't seem to be pressuring them. And in fact, one of the plot points is when Evil and Bill and Ted come in, they are more aggressive, you know, yeah. Uh, aggressive sexually in an uncomfortable way. Not too uncomfortable. I thought it was charming that that Bill and Ted are, are they, they don't seem, well, I was about to say they don't seem leery again, but this movie doubles down on the the tit shots on Missy again in a much more gross way than I feel like the last time. I don't know if I can actually identify if there is a difference, but for some reason it repeating itself in this movie just made me feel uncomfortable. It was definitely, they, they pushed those lines, the sort of uh, the, the charm that we were feeling on the first, uh, just for the main characters, they kind of, they're, they're rougher around the edges, which, you know, they're five years older. You know, or according to the movie. But in the seance scene, they're floating above the seance that Missy is running. And uh, there's a very long shot of them staring down uh, down her shirt. It also follows a scene where they go to the police station to try and get, try and warn uh, Ted's dad uh, that someone's going to ruin the battle of the bands or the, the there's evil thems out and about. And they possess Ted's dad. And it seems mostly just like a showcase to have the actor who plays Ted's dad do a really like yeah, spot a, on it's Keanu Reeves impression. Otherwise, plot wise, it goes nowhere. And it I don't mind those scenes if they're really funny, but it wasn't that yeah. funny. Uh, it was like, yeah, that's, yeah, he really nailed the movements of Keanu Reeves, but otherwise, what are we doing? Just uh, those two scenes back to back, especially when I remember this movie of them going to hell and I'm like, oh, they're dead. Now they go to hell and they they don't. Right. I'm like, okay. Well, because they, they first encounter death and then he's like, you must play a game. And they're like, they, they're like, your shoes are untied and they run away. 
So they do encounter death immediately, but then death would have a insurance on that. He would have a system and in, in a lot of people don't want to die. So you think you would have a way of stopping that from happening. Not, not this death. Not the case. It's why there's so many ghosts in all those A&E shows. They're at a, the party for the girlfriends. I'm rewinding a little bit here. Ted's dad is, introduces the, the colonel, Colonel, colonel Oates, who runs the military school that he was threatened with uh, in the first movie. He was an off-screen yes. presence yeah. in the previous, uh, the previous movie. He's more of the uh, Sauron uh, to <laughs> Jesus. So uh, <laughs> to someone else, but he, I couldn't think of anyone Saruman in the first movie. Go yeah, on, stop. Um, he be- <laughs> 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 he Fair. begins to kind of you know be threatening about military school again, and I'm like. Isn't it a little late for that? Like, uh, I don't know how military school works, I realized. I'm like, is it? I don't really know how that works. Yeah, I was a little confused by that as well, because later on we see them drinking beer, and I th- I think they're well, I, well beyond age yeah. to be... There's no school threats left. I assume... On, unless there was some other uh, portion of the military school that is available for adults, like a GED-type uh, type system, where you just do push-ups for college credit. Military college course situation i don't i don't know how that military as a second language when they there are some context clues they never say like dude we're 23 but like they they say it's five years later and present they were what seniors right or juniors or seniors in the in the last movie i assume they were they were seniors in that and then of course uh the the princesses turn 521 which i presume is like 21 and five plus 500. So right. that all kind of checks out. So that's why I was just like, it doesn't really matter. But then I, I got to being self-conscious, like maybe I just don't understand how military school works. I always, yeah, I, 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 I went, I was still, uh, I was still charmed. So I was going along with it. I was like, Oh, there's, there's Oates. I only heard about him previously. Great. Nice to see him in the flesh. I said aloud, this is how I talk during love a good menacing Colonel. So, you know, <laughs> I don't remember what exactly he was talking about, but we also get uh, evil Ted saying he has a full on robot chubby. So I didn't know if he had any thoughts about that. He was talking about, he saw the princesses in the picture after they had murdered our heroes. Um, and uh, yeah, he said they, they had chubbies to, to demonstrate how, how villainous they were. Also, while we're on the subject of evil, uh, bill, we have, uh, evil Ted's favorite, my favorite move of his is, uh, when they have just killed Bill and Ted, good Bill and Ted, they see a car going down the street and Keanu Reeves, uh, he, he does this uh, robotic like hair parting to see yeah. it better. He like brushes his hands in a horizontal line across his forehead to part his hair. And they add little robot sounds to add to the effect. Uh, and I will say I uh, LOL. They dug into the sound effects in this one. I'll tell, it, tell you that much. I mean, let's. I mean, the previous one laid the groundwork with the cartoonish conk sound when they yes, knocked out a, a medieval. It's not right. unheard of already, but I feel like <laughs> they leaned into it a lot more because um, it was really there's precedent. Yeah, there's there's precedent, precedent, but it was mostly in that one vignette of them in the uh, medieval times that kind of the, most of the sound effects happened because they were in the knights thing and they were tweet 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 that kind of thing. They call each other fags again. Uh, they kind of leaned into that joke. Again, they they say fags twice. Uh, they call uh, Lucifer, the the god of lies, um, a fag at one Do point. They, when when does that happen? I don't know. In hell, 
It's in hell. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't... In the city of Dees, when they've escaped their own personal hells, mm. and uh, you hear Satan's voice, and he goes, Choose your eternity. Keanu gets the... Uh, he says, fag, I can't remember why. It's very poorly dubbed, because I had to look it up to hear what he said, but he does call call Satan a fag. There's a second fag. There's an earlier fag. Yeah. A proto-fag, one might like say. Like when they... After they fall or something, uh, I or something, they're, like, glad they're alive, and then they're, like... It's the same kind of mechanic oh, as the first movie. It's the uh, uh, when evil Bill and Ted are holding good Bill and Ted over the cliff. Good Ted tries one last effort and he says, we just want to tell you we love you. And then they laugh, evil Bill and Ted laugh at each other and, and call them fags, which I was like, well, they're right. evil. Right. That was, that was at least more kind of in character. <laughs> when they fall into hell. <laughs> Yes, like Dante Alighieri before them. They they have very, uh, it's a very Looney Tunes-esque uh, bit because they fall for a very long time and they kind of like run out of air. They stop yelling and then they're like, whoa. And then they start yelling again. It's very like, it's pretty funny. It's Then they play 20 questions, which they get in two <laughs> questions and then they just, just start to decide to start screaming. Are you a mineral? And he says, yes. And he says, are you a tank? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I wasn't sure what I heard, but now that I've heard it again, it's it a good, is pretty It's funny. a pretty good bit. It's a good bit. They're dumb guys. But they immediately encounter the devil and say, how's it going, Beelzebub? Uh, they do. I like that, that the devil is a real hands-on type manager. I, I appreciate that. Let's you know you're there, that he's there, but he's keeping his distance. He's not like hovering over you, but he just likes to be available for any questions you might have. Use me as a resource. Yeah. Right. We're all on the same team. He's just here to coach us to the goal line. <laughs> where the goal is. You've been in cor- you've been in you corporate America sports. for a long time. You're just still not getting these sports metaphor- metaphors. Those sports metaphors mostly cuz I I disassociate the minute they start. <laughs> Alex Winter is he plays his own granny. I liked Alex Winter as granny. That was He was really good. Uh he he was uh I think I heard that after the fact. I don't know why. I mean, it's pre- I mean, it's supposed to be like nightmarish makeup, but it's like pretty good, you know, like silly makeup. But uh, I don't know something about his face. I was like, oh, that's Alex Winter. And the fact that it's he says very clearly that's his granny. Like that's immediately I was like, he's probably playing his own granny. And of course he is. I, well, he, he, he doesn't look freakish, but he's so every... Every telltale sign of an old person is like turned up to 10. So I was like, well, this is obviously someone in some sort of makeup. Like his eyes are like uh, cataracty yeah. and he's got like long gray hairs and she's got like gross teeth. She's got the shawl, you know, the the, tr- the like the old lady shawl. I did like the style of hell. Every th- all the little vignettes in hell were really heavily like stylized. Bill's personal yeah. hell is his grandma's birthday where he has to give her a kiss, which I'm like, Hands down, I will take that yeah. hell. Oh, yeah. Any day of the week. Even over Ted's hell. But it's all blue. Everything is Your hells blues. are so extremely low stakes. It's very charming. <laughs> but yeah, Bill, Bill's hell is all in blue. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of forced perspective to make it look even like eerier. Um, Ted's, there's no perspective. Like all the lines don't like match up correctly. So there's no parallel lines. Um, and it's all in pinks. Um, including the anthropomorphic bunny. I couldn't get what his hell was. Yeah. 
supposed to be. I, I'm assuming it's a past memory right. um, from him at Easter time, but then it was just him being chased by a bunny. Yeah, because it starts out making sense because he stole like there's a Easter basket Easter basket that very clearly says Deacon on it, and he's like eating all the candy, and he gets kind of caught or gets in trouble for it, but. He gets caught by the bunny, and then the bunny starts terrorizing him. And it's kind of like, is the bunny? It's you're already thinking about it too hard for the movie. But like, is the bunny like representing his shame for doing that, for getting caught, or like what? What is that? Because at that point, it's just a creepy bunny is, that's following him around. Is the bunny late stage capitalism, or is Ted late stage capitalism? Because he's <laughs> eating all the candy instead of for someone else. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I know they're dumb movies, but I guess I could have used with a like the the grandma stuff. I was like, yeah, this is dumb, but like I get, I get why someone wouldn't want to kill yeah. their grandma. The bunny thing was just a little convoluted. Where I was like, wait, what's the actual fear here? You feel bad, or you are scared of the bunny? Did this right. actually happen, or is this a dream? Well, and I, I also didn't uh, understand anything that the bunny said. So if maybe he explained <laughs> it. <laughs> It had a real wise guy. It sounded like one of the weasels from Roger Rabbit. It was yeah, yeah, like that sort of like. Mickey Spillane type talk. Is that the right person? Um, Robert. Rob. Gonna, he went to get a Coke. Um, he doesn't work for us anymore. <laughs> oh, right. He's a figment of my imagination. The other one that we see is when they're still together and they're actually at the military school with Colonel Oates and he tells them to drop and give him an infinity. <laughs> uh, and they start and they are compliant and start doing push-ups. But that's also like a really, it looks like full metal jacket, right. sort of like a bunker like that. Uh, long rows of bunks and all these sort of hanging lamps. But my favorite item is that the, you know, those sort of hanging lamps sometimes leave like a, you know, a little circle of light on the floor, but instead of having the circle of light in the image, it's painted on as a lighter ah. color. I don't know. I really like the set design of yeah. hell. Heaven seemed like a yes album or something. Yeah. Like it was just uh, a lot of uh, nebulous shapes floating We're by. Kind of similar to the future, um, how they depict the future. Yeah. But it was also like everybody has these ma matching outfits. So in order to get into heaven, even though they like ask them for some, documentation or something they i guess that's in the clothes they just beat the shit they out just, of three people which was another moment where i was like i don't like this version yeah. of Dennis <laughs> well, it was very like looney tunes indiana jones like you just lure someone over here take their hat yeah. and jacket and then you you go about but your business but the thing is in those movies those are bad guys <laughs> right you took the nazi's yeah. jacket they're not people literally getting into <laughs> heaven and then they, 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 I guess they get in queue to see God, uh, and um, the guy at the door, presumably St. Peter, Taj asks Mahal. them what Blues, the- Bluesman Taj Mahal. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, he asks them what the, the meaning of life is, and Ted quotes, poisons every rose has That'll get thorn, you in every time. Which lets them into yeah. God. I've seen Brett Michaels live, and I'll tell you, that's heaven. <laughs> You you keep skipping over the only part of this movie I I remembered before seeing it again, which was the death scene. So the death challenges they're like you have to beat me in a game. It's like what's the movie Seventh Seal? I was gonna watch Seventh Seal to like be like because I've never seen it and I didn't. So wow, you were really gonna commit? I couldn't even commit to watching this twice. I don't know why you um, ever set that precedent for yourself. I don't know. I do like, I mean, I just find myself, I find it easier to talk about these movies if I watch them yeah. twice. 
Because the first time I just watch it and I'm like, oh yeah, and then I get lost, like caught up on the right. plot. And then if I give myself a day to like think about it and then have it on in the background, I'll catch a few things like that I like. It. Um, but you know, Amazon rentals are just two days, and I just wasn't feeling it the following day. So too sorry. bad, everyone. You don't get um, all this insight, right? So while they're in hell, they they scream. The only way out of this is to play death, and so they they scream, and he appears. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they do this sort of parody of the seventh seal, but rather than play chess, they start with yeah. battleship. battleship. It's a good bit. And what the weird thing is, uh, for some reason in my mind, my memory was like they started with chess. Right. And then they realized they would never win and they switched to games they would get. Um, but they started with battleship and then they moved on to clue and then they played twister at one, one point. Was there one other in there? Oh, there was like a Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Game. It was like a football, the old like electronic football game it's pretty funny because death's a very poor loser so he loses that battleship it's like best three out of five <laughs> and then in the super bowl game they he he just gets frustrated and then bill goes best five out of seven he's like damn right <laughs> uh he's played by william sadler who's a character actor you've probably seen in a lot of things yeah die hard Two, for Shawshank example Redemption. and uh shawshank and i think he was the president in one of the many marvel movies oh was he yeah. Wasn't he the president in Iron Man 2 or 3 or 6? I don't know. That sounds... Um, I'm vaguely remembering that. But he plays death. Uh, he does a good job. For some reason, I thought William Sadler was German, but that's not true. That's actually uh, a falsehood. That's a little factoid that only I fell for. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they beat him in every game possible, and uh, he has to take them. They ask him to take them to some scientists, and he go takes them to heaven to meet these two Martians named Station. Yes, and it really shows their Earth Earth bias by saying, uh, "You know, oh, you thought the the best scientist in the universe would be from Earth," and then they just laugh and laugh. Iron Man three, you're absolutely right. Thank because he's you. the one that he puts them in the. Spoiler alert for Iron Man 3. To, to protect him, he puts them him in an Iron Man sh suit and shoots him. One of the many suits. That was the suit-based film. I liked that one. More suit-centric. At some point. Oh, yeah. When when they beat uh, Death, they're like, you, you did really well. And he says, don't patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, side note, uh, my, my friends Bo and Katie, we like to do... Uh, um, he said, don't patronize me. You go, don't shop at your store. <laughs> it's just a good bit. It, it makes me laugh every single time. I can tell that it is a good bit. <sighs> Evil Bill and Ted are like gremlins. Like when they're, when they have killed Bill and Ted and they're just kind of like killing time for some reason until they ruin Bill and Ted's lives. They're just like, <laughs> they're like chaos is just eating like cheese whiz and like <laughs> breaking stuff in the apartment. Right. Throwing dishes at the wall. Um, yeah. I do like that. They keep getting back in touch with uh, Dino De Laurentiis or whatever his name is. And uh, the, he is obviously annoyed with them because they're so like a perfect recreation, just uh, evil versions of them that he's just annoyed yeah. uh, at having you to talk made to us, them. Dude. In fact, they Sorry. are they're just as stupid as normal Bill and Ted, just evil. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, what what's going on now? We get back to- Make Station Earth. becomes a larger 
one Martian, the two Martians. Oh yeah, he pokey he pokeballs or whatever for some reason, for really no reason. I think we have a budget, and we're yeah. They really use got their the Muppet reason. budget in because we've also got the the like <laughs> the good robot Bill and Ted's are much like you know lower rent versions because they're created from Earth parts, and they're. Well, also, uh, Evil Bill and Ted, they, they're constantly taking off their uh, face skins yeah. and belly skins yeah. uh, to reveal their their uh, LEDs inside. Belly skins. And as a person who got his doctorate in Alex Winter's uh, midsection, uh, I was uh, disappointed by how fake yes. looking his, his uh, belly like skins painted. were. They were like They were like matte drawing. <laughs> and here's where your abdomen muscles will be. Uh, they... Yeah, they the two Martian uh, scientists who are named Station. Station is like a proto Groot, a proto uh, Hodor. Like all he says is Station, which is funny because like earlier in the I film, did. they've all been using that as a phrase, and it's very obvious because you're like, "What is this?" They're just saying Station, and it's like clearly like God says Station, doesn't? Yeah, it? I think to they them? say it in the future, the first. I don't know. They say it all over the place. I don't remember. It did have a vibe of like, am I, do I know this? Is this a reference from 1991 or is this like an inside joke? I did write that Station goes to the Groot School of Linguistics. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I could tell that the movie really wanted me to like Station and I could never just get over that hump. I think it was, I was annoyed by it until it was like that guy's name. And then I was like, okay, well, this is a thing for this movie and that's fine. Because at first it just felt like the movie was trying to make it like, oh, yes. Oh, I didn't, I just meant, I didn't, I, didn't, I don't mean the phrase Station, oh, I the meant the actual... Yeah. Troll doll in a microwave it's, it's creation. They definitely have on the nightmare fuel edge of uh, the Muppet universe. It kind of looked like um, if the Swedish chef had a baby with the troll from Ernest Scared Stupid, but with that's what Station looks like. And there were two but with of them. a magnificent butt. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, I do appreciate uh, you know male on male uh, body glorification. So, butt appreciation. There was a butt appreciation. I really liked that. Um, so they show up, the the good Bill and Ted come back and they show up at the Battle of the Bands where evil Bill and Ted are about to play and they've got the princesses suspended in the air, like tied up by ropes and gagged about. They're going to kill them after they play their song for, basically they're going to show the world that they're evil and terrible and it's going to ruin, you know, the future. Um, and so good Bill and Ted show up and evil and Bill and Ted when they see, they're like, oh, we've got good robots. They immediately give up. They're like, you did it. You beat us. <laughs> we finally met our match. And then, it's not a battle at all. Literally good Bill and Ted just punch their heads off. I do appreciate there's still like a weird camaraderie between evil Bill and Ted's and good Bill and Ted. Um, they still like, even though they don't like each other, they still keep smiling at each other and like giving them support. <laughs> Because doesn't he say uh, when he says, oh, I think we finally met our match. Good job. Yeah. Good. And and like, Catch you later. <laughs> <laughs> Deranged. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because this is a good time travel trick, but because uh, Bill and Ted or no, because Denomalus shows up after that and he is like, well, screw it. I'll kill them. But there's this sort of like battle of wills between Bill and Ted and Denomalous. And, but and when he thinks he's going to kill them, he through, I can't remember what means gets all <laughs> TV channels everywhere to, uh, tuning into this battle of the bands. And so like 
they're, they show people across the world. Somehow they have Chinese subtitles in China, but they're uh, <laughs> instantaneous, instantaneous subtitles. subtitles. But they're all over the world. You see them in, in Italy and whatever. And so that's actually how Bill and Ted, the Wild Stallions, become world famous is because all these channels were tuned in. So it's one of those things where the, this always happened. You know what I mean? This- right. Bill and Ted does does a, um, uh, sign on to the theory that time is a continuous thing. There's not, not it's not the back to the future theory where there are different spokes where you could send, shoot off into different universes. Yeah. Because Ted says aloud, after this is over, we should go steal my dad's keys and then drop them off behind this right. sign. And then he just goes behind the sign and there right. are the keys. Like, it's just, a, that's how it always will be. Like, that. it's all yeah. worked out in the wash, which is why I'm so confused as to why Rufus has to save the universe in the first <laughs> one. And why Dinophilos, uh, <laughs> which I think is actually an enemy in Legend of Zelda, yeah. <laughs> has to, has to like stop Bill and Ted because it feels like it, it will never work because we already know it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked, but his his interference is part of the timeline and always has been. So he like, it's like Oedipus going yeah. back, finding about how he was going to kill his mom or kill his dad, marry his mom. He runs away, not realizing he was adopted or something. And then inadvertently kills his birth. That's dad. Exactly. Actually, I can't, I haven't read Oedipus in a while. <laughs> I should go back. <laughs> well, you like missed that. the, don't escape your fate is the more. <laughs> you missed the second act where he, he goes to college for a few years, but yeah, that was, Sort of fucks yeah. around, uh, goes to Italy, which by that at that point was like a shithole. Like it was not, it was not cool yet. <laughs> Another few thousand years. But they use that trick again with when they're kind of facing off with Denomalous. They're like, "Well, we have this cage," and then Denomalous is like, "Well, I just in the future have this key," and then they, they but they only the victor can go back and do all these things. So they like planted the key, and it's like. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. Uh, it does play on that that joke from the first one with the keys, with Ted's dad's keys, right. uh, which I appreciated. But it was also like in very much the style of these movies. It's very anticlimactic. It's cutting off its own climax right. at the knees so that Dimnolf boast uh, never was a real threat to begin I with. I feel like you're mispronouncing that on purpose now. I actually still have no, every time you say it, it like, it just washes over me like, like water. I, I never like form a memory about how I'm supposed yeah, to Yeah, Damon Xanthopoulos, how could you ever remember a name like that? <laughs> Debobados. Debobaduke. I only have one more note and that is, uh, yeah, I'm, and I've that is none. that Steve Vai did the air guitars in this one. Steve Vai is a, he used to play for uh, Frank Zappa, he's a famous, uh, as I like to call it, white noise style guitarist, <laughs> which is mean they're oh, very technically sound and they play a lot of notes. And it's oh, so it just yeah. comes across as like <laughs> a wall of a very uh, editorialized definition. But it's uh, to me, as a guitarist, I think it's amazing from a technical perspective. I couldn't do it even if I studied, you know, hours a day for the next 20 years. But even if you went to an 18-month intense <laughs> guitar study um, via time travel? I, I like that they could have as much time as they want, and they only went for 18 months, and they got really good. I was like... Yeah, I thought it was a surprisingly like, short amount took, of time. Yeah, come on. That's pretty That's pretty good. Because <laughs> they're coming back, and they're, they're, he's got a clearly longer than 18-month-long beard. He's got a ZZ Top beard. And kids. Yeah, what did you think of uh, future Keanu with the facial hair? Did that do it for you? Uh, you know, 
I always think that goatees or, you know, those should, if you're going to have them, they should stay within the bounds of your face. Like if they start getting, you know, an inch out. You like boundaries. Um, but he was not wearing sleeves, which sort of counterbalanced okay, okay. the ugliness. You got me of back. The, you got uh, me back. Of the, uh, I will say. You almost lost me, but I'm reeling back in. I get it. I see it. Yeah. And then the, the movie ends with uh, Kiss singing, what was it? God made rock and roll for you. Uh, and then a, a bunch of, a series of uh, pretty funny uh, newspapers yeah. flying by tell us, telling us how wild stallions uh, conquer the world. Not literally, not literally. But they're, you're, yeah, they're a huge influence and death does a solo album and then he leaves and then he comes back. <laughs> Cause it flops. flops. He has to come back to wild. Stallion. That was good. I enjoyed that. I love that. I love a fictional, where are they now? Like what happens after the movie? I love that. I'm always on board. Even if it's stupid, I at least appreciate the effort. You want to go to the verdict? You you look upset that you have nothing else to say. <laughs> no, I'm trying to see. Uh, do I have anything else to say? Uh, dinner's over, worm dude. We didn't address that. Um, your silky boy's silk comes from the butts of Chinese worms. Okay, those are my two remaining notes. All right. let's go. Let's go to the verdict. No need to explain them. <laughs> Damon Xanthopoulos, what is the verdict? It's a closer vote than I would care to admit. And luckily, I don't have to show my vote. It's... It's like the electoral college. It is or it ain't. <laughs> I don't know. The, the 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 spinning its wheels, like you could sort of feel the flop sweat is sort of in the middle of this movie. I'm like, all right, come on. Uh, let's get it over with. And and that feeling uh, never really went away uh, entirely. There were a few good lines in here and they're still fairly charming. But some of the stuff I thought was cute in the first movie were was missing yeah. they were a little bit more antagonistic this wasn't as much of a sort of like bromancy movie as the yeah. first one so uh some of its charms were left at the door that's not a phrase what do you think dj your inner child is an idiot we're in agreement uh Ooh. this agreeance as people keep saying drives me insane I don't know. Like, it's it's funny to me. I mean, this is what happens when you watch movies as a kid is like these movies were basically one big movie to me. And there's such a clearly huge drop off from one to two. It's this movie is not without its charms. And if you like the first one, you know, it's not like you're going to run away screaming, but it's just like a the the director who refused to come back for the second movie. Stephen Harris said it's like a parody of a parody. Why would I go do that? <laughs> and I think that's a very good right. thing. It's like a copy of a copy. It's it's um I think they I think there's a good there's a good movie in here potentially cuz there's there's a cuz there's good there's there's funny acting, there's good bits, you know, the dad does a good Keanu, the the Bill and Ted are still the same, you know, charming idiots. Uh I liked William Sadler's death. Um you know, there's there's good moments in there. George Carlin is in it for like a second. So I don't know if he was just busy or what, but he's in it for as long as he's like, he's, it feels a little bit like uh, Charlton Heston in the planet of the apes sequel. He's like, I'll be in it because you tricked me with right. a contract, but I will only be at the beginning and the end. And at the end, I get to blow up planet yeah. of the apes. 
that's that's my rule. And they're like, sure. But it was a little weird because it, it was it's not like Rufus was a huge part of the first movie. He's barely in that too. True, he is also, yeah, he's very uh I, I didn't realize how slim he is in, in that. But he's well. still like, it's a presence. You know what I mean? And in this one, he's not even that much of a presence. Uh, but Right. I was confused uh, that I had missed something because he uh, he sort of latches himself onto Evil Bill and Ted's phone box at yeah. the beginning. And you get the impression like, oh, he's going to warn our heroes. But he doesn't. He only pops up at the end, unzips himself out of Pam Greer's yeah. skin, um, and and he's like, "See, here I am." And I'm well, like, and I, I guess I yeah, and that see. could have maybe worked. They're like, "I was guiding you all along. I just couldn't tell you." I was like, first of all, why wouldn't you just be able to tell us?" And second of all, she was also barely in it. Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. They were like in the afterlife. Like the if whole Pam Greer was throughout the movie, that would make yeah. sense. But it just seems like such a bullshit. If he was excuse. like actually stationed or something that would or that or death, that would have made some sense. But it was like you weren't in it either. You get, I get the feeling like a lot of those these choices seem like. Like, oh, we got our budget now. Yeah. We can do a yeah. lot. We can do all, a lot of special effects. We can do a lot of like building our own sets. You saw that station as like these an animatronic yeah. puppets were there. Pam Greer, I'm sure, is not not necessarily cheap. This is pre Foxy Brown yeah. Pam Greer, but it's still Pam Greer. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to put up some money. Uh, it just felt like uh, you know that that inevitable thing when the sort of little spunky movie makes right. it. And then the next movie, Blair Witch, colon, Book of Shadows, is just like, okay, yeah, this, this is a this, mess. You got too much yes, money too that's, fast. That's a good movie. A good point. This is this is like your stereotypical sequel where it's like bigger and bigger. Yeah, they, they try to, you know, cash in on it and it's just, it's not as good. They do like everything has to be, oh, if you did that once, we'll do it twice. And it's like, no, that doesn't work with everything, you know? Uh and it's like, maybe spend that money on a rewrite uh, or a better director or something. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't pinpoint exactly what they could have done, but it's just really loose. Like they could have used uh, a lot of tightening up of, of the screen. It's so funny to like pretend like Bill and Ted, the original is like this masterpiece, but it kind of is for this like kind of genre. It's like a really, it's a really well-written, well-directed comedy, silly movie the first one and right. I won't call it a masterpiece, yeah. but it does it. It codes in, it does its job. And then it gets, yeah, the it's, fuck it's out. just like, it's tight. And I, and I, you probably, I think you're absolutely right. I think the problem was they had too much time and money maybe. And it's like, it just kind of like, well, we don't have the sort of, they're like, this is probably going to make money because it's cashing in on this first thing that made money. So we don't have to, you know, edit it down. And it's like, well, that was good. <laughs> That's one of the pluses. And I mean, we're dunking on it now, but I mean, it's not a bad no, movie no, by any no. means. Um, there's a lot of charming stuff in here. It just is, you can feel the, the drop off, as you said. I still like the death scene when they're playing the games with death the most. That was still my favorite. Scene. Oh yeah. Uh, I think they could have gotten there sooner. I mean, I feel like they if they had just cut, like, have death send them to hell right when they die. Yeah. Done. Instead of, like, wandering around San Dimas just fucking around. Like, let's get to the plot right. already. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah. So, that's that, that's all I got. Uh, what do you think, everybody? Email us. Your inner child is an idiot. 
at gmail.com. I don't know why I took a big pause there. You can uh, call or text us 615-576-0525. Leave us a message. Play it on the show. We want to thank the patrons of our show, including Dramatically Placed Hot Dog. The Zesty. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Lindsay Nell. T. Smith. Jeremy Powlin. What are you doing here? Jonathan Day. Just cuz. Whoa, Kevin from Cleveland. Whoa. <laughs> Captain John Luke Picard. Brandon Hardy. Oh, sorry. I just forgot that my glasses helped me read. His Honor the Mayor. Primordial Burrito. Christine in Brooklyn over here. She's Brooklynin. Have I already done that joke? Yeah. I feel like I have. Yeah. <laughs> Damon's oh. Australian accent. I'd try to do it as Irish. That was even worse. F- flawless. Um, Dan McIntyre. Who is the supreme ruler of this podcast. And Jacob Grimm. The only person to be listed after <laughs> the supreme ruler of the podcast. Amazing. Thank you very much. We really appreciate your support. You're helping us continue to make the show. And uh, if you want to become a patron like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. You can find us on all the social medias. Uh, Damon is uh, constantly doom scrolling on the idiot box. He's uh, he's at uh, on Twitter at YICIAI. We're on Instagram. Our friend Sarah Shepard has been doing a great job with our uh, Instagram graphics. Thank you, Sarah. Um, thank you for to my, my friend Russ Weaver for the use of his song Top of Two for our ad music. I f- mean to do that every time and I always forget. So I'm an asshole. Oh, so I'm the asshole now just because I'm not giving credit to my friends. (laughs) 